and uh, we're gonna read out of Psalm 37 in verse one. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, I'm not there yet. Okay, I'll give you another second, Dante. He's get, getting there. Dante, are you there? How fast can you turn to Psalms? Are you there yet? Is he, hey, Dante, are you there? He's, he's almost there. He's getting there. He's at about 40, he's in the 40s. Okay, you're there. Can we give it up for Dante? He's there. Psalm 37 and verse one. You there? Love it. Do not fret because of those who are evil. That might be the person sitting next to you. That was a joke. Do not fret because of those who are evil but be, or be envious of those who do wrong. For the, like the grass, they will soon wither. Like the green plants, they will die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight, other translations say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. I wanna speak on this idea for the next few minutes, fretting and delighting. Fretting and delighting. If you're taking notes, you can write that down and um, let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to to speak to us today and leave us a little bit different than we came. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that is here. Where two or more are gathered, you are here in our midst. And so God, we just thank you that you showed up today, that you're here, you're ready to speak. Leave us a little bit different than we came. Thank you for the invitation, God, that we have to delight in you. And God, we respond to that today. We thank you, God, that you're here. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So like I said, I've been, um, I've been on the team here for just over 14 years, and I grew up in this church. Noelle and I met when I was 16. She was 14 in our youth group. Uh, when, before we had a building, when we were out by Four Corners in the building where the Johnson's Home and Garden is now, like that's where we, we met for the first time. There's disputes on what our first interaction was, but let's just say she was sm smitten. She was overcome by... There was a magnetic pull that just brought her to me. She just didn't know it until many years later when I finally convinced her to hang out with me. But we grew up in this place. We love, we love this place. We, I had encounters with God at camp at 16 and 14 and 18 and as a young youth leader. And I went to Bible college with a desire to return home someday. I mean, I love this place. Been, been here my whole life. I was 13 when our church started. And I've been here since the beginning. I love this house and I'm excited for the future. Um, we spent the first 12 or 13 years of our ministry journey here in youth ministry in particular, working with teenagers. That was the bulk of our experience. And over the last couple of years, kind of phased out of that and started a new journey of what does it look like for the next season as we step into uh, becoming lead pastors. As, as Pastor Steve announced in, in May, that we're beginning that transition and that'll happen come this March. And so we're really excited about it. We're really nervous about it, but we're really excited. I mean, it's gonna be great. I just believe that God's hand is on it. God's equipping us and God has the best to come for our church. You believe that? Yeah. You believe the best is yet to come? I hope you do. Yeah. Good, yes. So as we approach that, we're thinking, all right, we spent a lot of time in youth ministry, lots of seasons. It was a, it was a long time. 
And so now, we, we, as we look ahead to the next season, we're thinking, we need to take some time and recoup and, and reflect on the season behind so that we can imagine a compelling season ahead. So Noel and I had the opportunity this summer to take six weeks away, take a little sabbatical and get away and just reflect and think and get ready for the season that is coming. So as we go on this sabbatical, this is back in June, uh, we imagined this was going to be an incredible time. We were super excited and we're gonna rest and it's gonna be super restful and we're just gonna have slow mornings and it's gonna be sunny every single day and we are just going to enjoy our time. And we did, it's good, it's fine, it's good. We, got, we started our, our sabbatical, went and visited my brother and his wife in Portland and, and had Hayden, our oldest, her last uh, few days of school and so we're just kind of in the rhythm. I did some house projects, and by house projects, I mean I cleaned the garage, sort of, and uh, did another load to the dump. And it seems like, I don't know how it happens, but it keeps filling up. I've done that twice this summer, and it's still full. You have to park perfectly in our garage if you want to be able to get into the doors. I don't know how it happens. I think it's my parents keep dropping things off. <laughs> The sin, my dad said, the sins of your father. It's my mom's mom who did that to her. And she one time said, if I ever do this to you, you need to tell me. And I told, anyways, I'm not gonna talk about my issues with my mom and dad because they're sitting right here. But my garage is full again. But we did these things and it was good. It was good. We got some rest. And I, I mean, obviously we, the weight of normal life was, was suspended for a bit. It was nice. But at the same time, we did not anticipate that there would also be some, as we reflect and as we come out, I mean, I don't know if you've ever gone on a vacation or a long period of a break. It's like, if you got 10 days, the first eight or nine of them, are you unwinding from your life? And then finally, on the way to the airport to return home, you finally feel relaxed. Anybody with me? You know what I'm talking about? And this is kind of how it was. And it was just, and as much as we were getting some rest, we were also finding that there were things in our soul that needed some scraping. And I imagine us being like this steel, uh, you know, carafe that at the bottom there's rust and someone in, is in there with a wire brush just scraping it to get the rust off. And I didn't even know that I was gonna need that. I didn't anticipate that we would experience some of these things, even to the point of spiritual warfare and, and feeling like, Oh gosh, I didn't, this is not what I thought a sabbatical would be. I thought a sabbatical would be every day is sunny and every day is perfect and all we do is rest and rejuvenate our souls. And in a paradoxical way, we were doing that, but we didn't know that in order to get to the place that God wanted us to be, he needed to do some scraping at the bottom so that as we come into the next season, we're not carrying things that are residues from the last season. And sometimes what we tend to do is God has, us, has something for us. He's taking us into something, but he's saying, in order for you to go here, you need to let go of this. You see this with the people of Israel time and time again. He'd say, I need you to leave that behind. I need you to cross over. And as you cross over, you might build a monument to be a reminder, but you're leaving that monument behind. You have to leave those things in your last season in the last season so that you don't carry the residue from your last season and repeat it again. 
Anyone ever repeated a season? Newsflash, it's probably your fault. <laughs> I, and I'm raising my hand with you because the thing that we do is we, we, gotta, we tend to, as human beings, relearn the same lesson over and over. And I find myself about four weeks into our six weeks away. About four weeks in, I'm sitting outside. It is a sunny day. We have these little egg chairs. Anyone have egg chairs? Noelle sent me a while ago. She, she was on Amazon. She's like, I think we need this as an egg chair, a little hangy swing egg chair. And I said, I don't think we need it. We have a patio already and there are chairs on it. And there's a, there's a nice little fire table. We're good. She said, no, I think we need this egg chair. I'm gonna buy it. And so we bought it. We get this egg chair, but now the egg chair is just sitting there. It needs a rug and it needs a second egg chair. So we got the second egg chair. Now we have two egg chairs. And it's nice though, because the egg chairs are very comfortable. And it's turned out that we've spent most mornings, started most mornings out on the egg chairs. And this one particular morning, I'm sitting on the egg chair. I'm by myself out there. I've got my Bible in my lap. The sun is out. It hasn't hit that side yet. So it's nice and cool. Birds are chirping. None of the kids were up yet. I've got my coffee in my hand and my Bible in my lap. And I'm trying to spend some time abiding in the Lord. And I'm there. And then Lennon, my youngest three, she's the most manipulative of our three kids. She comes out. And if you know her, she's a ham. She will look at you and tell you what to, she'll tell you what to do with her eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Like she just, and she's, she's still got the rolls in her chin, just. She walks out and she's looking haggard. Her hair's all over the place. And uh, she's just wearing her underwear and it's just, it's a hilarious thing. And she just walks out and she's just. And she, I've got my coffee out over my Bible and she just climbs onto me in the egg chair without permission. And I'm like, whoa, and I almost spilled my coffee. I'm like, set my coffee down. And she lays right on top of my Bible. I have to lift her up, take my Bible out, set it on the, on the table. And, I, and she's just there. And she looks up at me. And she goes, scratch my back. <laughs> she doesn't ask. She just tells me, scratch my back. So I say, okay. I start scratching her back. She puts her head in my chest. And I'm scratching her back for a couple minutes. I was like, okay, Lennon, I gotta keep reading my Bible. She said, keep scratching my back. <laughs> and she puts her head back on my chest and without permission, just stays there and I keep scratching her back. And I'm sitting there wanting to abide in the Lord, wanting to spend time in the presence of God with my Bible tucked away and my coffee cooling off. And I've got my three and a half year old daughter sitting on my lap with her head in my chest. I'm scratching her back and she's just content. And I feel in this moment, no joke, I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me and he says, why is it so hard for you to do with me what she knows intuitively to do with you? And I remember just closing my eyes and I, my, my eyes began to well up because I'm just like, oh, I forgot. I forgot how to delight. I felt like God in that moment was just giving me the greatest invitation, Taylor, delight in me. And that's God's invitation to you and I today. And especially as we contrast it with the world that we live immersed in, is that everything else is, is inviting you to push. 
It's inviting you to resist. And there's moments and times where that is necessary. That's just part of life. But I'm afraid that if we're not careful in our pushing against what is coming at us, we forget our first invitation is to delight in the Lord. And I believe that God's invitation to you and I today is the same invitation that it's been for a really long time. Delight in me. Do you delight in God? I know that might sound cliche, but do you? That word delight or take delight means to be delicate, soft, pliable, and in a state of receiving, to allow yourself to be pampered. Now, don't go too far with that because I'm not saying that the point of you coming into church is to allow God to spiritually scratch your back and make that the point of your existence because it's not. Your primary reason for being here this morning, whether you realized it or not as you walked through those doors, is your primary job, your first role, your first ministry is to realize that you're not God, but God is God and you lift him up. Jesus said, if if they will lift me up, I will draw them to myself. So our first ministry is not to try and say, God, I need you to scratch my back. I need you to love me. I need, 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 need. And we always approach God from this position of thinking that his first priority is us. And it's not. But central and, and, and I would say essential to the life of following Jesus and the life of communion with God is our willingness and ability to allow God to be God and be what we need. I'll say it again. Central and essential to the life of communion with God is your willingness to allow God to be God for you and allow him to, as he delights in you, to give you the opportunity to delight in him. Some of us, as much as we are thankful for a secure eternity, and we've got the right doctrines around that, we can't remember the last time we simply delighted in God's presence. And I felt like this as I was praying for today, is that there are some like me that you've been following Jesus perhaps even for decades and you really do love the Lord, but it is few and far between the amount of times that you can remember that you simply delighted in God as you couldn't do anything for him except be with him. When's the last time you delighted in God? And what is robbing you from being in a state of delight with him? Because I think for me, and if, if you're like me, it's probably for you too, that you feel like you can disqualify yourself out of delight. You can earn your way in or earn your way out. You feel disqualified, you feel busy, you feel like you disappointed God. You know what you did yesterday or last week. You know the attitude you had, you know the conversation you had, the things that you did that make it to where there's no reason for you to be here today, but somehow you made it here. And you feel like there's something that you did. You might've even gotten baptized last week. And you feel like you unearned your baptism. It didn't take. Like newsflash, not a single baptism took. 
in the history of baptisms if it means that it made you perfect. What baptism, if anything, is meant to do is remind you what to do daily, which is immerse yourself in the presence of God. Come back to him. But we disqualify ourselves and we think that we can do that. We think as if we've disappointed God and we've spent all of our time performing for God and now we just don't deserve it anymore. And so now what has happened in our culture today and in our rhythms and in our life and in our week, it has become counterintuitive to delight in the Lord. It's the opposite. Because our culture rages against delight. And it says you can earn your way in or you can disqualify your way out. Friends, I, I, I got a newsflash for you. Just because of who God is, you cannot earn your way into a place of being worthy of delighting in God. You can't. And friends, you cannot disqualify your way out because Jesus made a way for you. It has nothing to do with with what you did. You don't deserve to be here today. You don't deserve to lift your hands. You, like me, are deserving of everything opposite. You and I have hypocrisy on the inside. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm just trying to remind you today, the fact is, is you cannot earn your way in or out of it. It is simply an invitation that through Jesus, God gives to you to delight in him. That now, because of what he did, we can boldly come before God and delight in him. Because the truth is, is delight is not something that you do, but it is something that you receive. So hear me. It is not that the temptation for you and I is to try and do. Okay, delight, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the things that bring delight. No, 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 no. Sometimes it means you're doing less so that the one thing that you're doing is not doing, but being. Delight is not something that you do. It is something that you receive. And in the last few years, there's been a lot of reactionary doing. It's where we work, where we want to live, what we're going to post online, what we think and how we think and who's supposed to tell us how we think and how we see our politicians and what we believe and see about the future. And everything becomes a reactionary. And God is like, yo, your invitation from me is the same invitation that I gave to people 50 years ago and a thousand years ago and since the beginning of time. Let me be God. You do your job of leaning into me. I'm the source of your life. I'm the one who breathed breath into your lungs. I've got all that you need. So instead of trying to do my job, you do yours. Delight in me and I'm gonna do my job. That is God's invitation to us. Delight in me. Let me do my job. Delight in me, let me be God. Delight in me, I'm working behind the scenes. Delight in me, let me be God. And any time when we're not in delight, it's a sign that we've switched places with God where we're trying to work this thing out ourselves and God is saying, yo, 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 yo. This only works when I'm God. This only works when I'm sitting in that seat because I know what I'm doing. You can't see it with your eyes, but it is my job to be God and it is your job to allow me to be God. But what do we do? We think that the scenario has to be perfect. The surroundings and the context has to be so good to where we can finally be at ease. Everything's in order and no longer do I have to fret about anything so I can just sit and be comfortable. Now I can delight in God. But friends, number one, this is the thing that you need to write down. Delight can happen in triumph and in trial. 
And in fact, I would say that delight sometimes best happens in the midst of severe trial. And the more severe the trial, the deeper delight that you'll find in God because God, he, he wants to spend that time with you and be so immersed with you that in the deepest, most severe, most difficult, most upside down seasons of your life that you find the truest sense of your worth in God. And this is what we see throughout the pattern of the New Testament. You'd see, you would see Paul say things like, in the midst of severe trial, you welled up with rich generosity. You didn't have anything and you gave more than anybody else. What is that? It's an understanding that the way God works is not contingent on the context around you, but it supersedes it, it transcends it. Tr Delight happens in triumph and in trial. He says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like the green plants, they will die away. So delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. Friends, we have to remember our world, we tend to see things within a small scope of what we've experienced, what we've seen and what we see around us right now but our world has a history of enduring stuff. We got it pretty good, especially in the Western world. But the world this, and, and the church, the people of God have been through a lot. And they're still here. Been through upheaval and division and economic failure and famine and fear and control and tyranny and broken systems and evil and demonic forces. And you know what the temptation was for them? It's the same temptation today. It is what? It's to fret. The temptation for you, friend, today is to fret. You ever fretted? Anyone fretting like as you walked through the parking lot today? Anyone go to sleep last night? Don't raise your hand. Like fretting. You woke up in the middle of the night fretting. And fret is almost like a mode that you most often live in. And all you do is fret. He says, do not fret because of evil. That word fret, there's two Hebrew words here. The word fret and the word envious. Do not fret because of evil. Do not be envious of those who do it. They're both similar words and they mean to become hot and uncontrollably excited as if to kindle like a fire. Now, I'm not, I'm not your guy. If you need help building a good fire, I'm not your guy. Now, if you give me some lighter fluid and a bunch of newspaper and a match, I'm your guy. But your fire is going to die just as quickly as it burned. I remember uh, a few years ago, Noel and I had some friends over in the backyard. We, put, we had a fire pit. It was our old house, and we had this, this little fire pit area, and we wanted to build a fire. And I'm not good at building fires, but I had some lighter fluid. I had a bunch of papers, and I had a couple sticks. So I just threw it all in there, lighter fluid, lit it. It goes, it's like, there's our fire. But after about 15 seconds, it all went back down. It was done. And I realized that lighter fluid or kindling is not enough to sustain it. Because the point of kindling is to quickly multiply the fire and in multiplying it, hopefully it catches other things. But kindling can be deceptive because as much as the flames go up, they will quickly go back down. And what you and I sometimes tend to do is we throw kindling on a dying fire. 
reminding ourselves of our fears, rehearsing our anxieties, rehearsing all the areas where we failed. We failed again and failed again and failed again, and we rehearse it over and over. We're anxious about the news, and we keep reading it. And I'm not saying to become uninformed, but if you and I are not careful, we will kindle the very thing that God is saying. That's like grass. It's gonna die. That thing's temporary. You know what's not? Me. So why do you keep giving the attention of your soul to the thing that will wither when the one who created your soul is right here and I will never die or change? I'm the thing that sustains you. So instead of leaning into the thing that you keep stoking, why don't you stop stoking it and walk away trusting that that thing is going to die just like every evil, like every spirit that is not of God, every institution that is not from God, the kingdom of God though, it will last so I'm might as well lean into the one and to the thing that will transcend my even existence rather than keep fueling the fire knowing that all that is keeping it alive is my fear. This is how our world operates. It, it plans on fear and the fear keeps the fear going. The way to opt out is just simply opt out. Stay informed, but turn off your news and say, I know that there's some stuff going on in the world. I know there's devastation. And friends, there are solutions that the church can and will and should bring to the world. But at the end of the day, our hope is not in a fading thing. Our hope is not in the absence of things happening in the world. Our hope is in the one who created it. That's it. And some of us, what we've got to do is we stop stoking it and we say, I see that. This is an opportunity for me to remind myself who my hope is in. It is in Jesus. My feet are planted on the rock. I'm rooted in the community of God. I got nothing to fear. Satan can come at me, but he's not going to take me out because I am not building my life on me, but I'm leaning into the one who created me. Are you with me today? This is the opportunity that you and I have is that we stop kindling the fire. Friends, our world is broken. The days are evil. The world is in trouble, as Jesus said, but he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. But if you look at the external metrics, there's been 2,000 years since then that seems like there are some bad things still around. Unless you understand how the kingdom works that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and he will turn it around for his glory. So what do I do? Instead of letting every fire and every fret be something that takes me out, every fret now becomes, this is where it gets practical. Every fret is an opportunity for delight. That the moment, and this is what we call redirecting. Okay, you feel fear? Get on your knees. Return to God. Say, God, I'm... I know that you got this. My son's wayward, but you hold his life in your hands. So God, I'm gonna trust you. And this isn't just closing your eyes and pretending things away. It's just making sure that the right thing is on top. Okay, no, I, 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 I have the fear. The fear doesn't have me. I'm gonna let this fret be an opportunity to remind myself of what I know to be true. I feel this, but I know this. I feel anxious, but I know God is good. I feel like there's no hope, but I know God is working behind the scenes, underneath the surface to work all things out for his glory. So therefore, I will just remind myself of what I know is true and I will stand on 
that. My son's wayward, I'm gonna delight. I lost the job and I'm not sure where I'm gonna get the next one, but I'm gonna delight in God anyways, knowing that he knew this was coming and he equipped me for it. I, I, I failed again and I failed again and I failed again and I failed again, but I'm gonna delight in God knowing that he made a way even when there was no way and he forgave me, he made me clean, he made me new and today his mercy is new for me. So I will delight in God. People have turned against me, I'm gonna delight. I'm not sure I can take another election year. I don't know if I can, but I'm gonna delight in the spite of it anyways. Why? Because God holds the world together. So what do you do? You delight. God's invitation to you and I today is to delight in him in spite of what we see. And if anything, the more we see evil, the more delight we ought to take in the one who transcends it. Number two, though, delight is given, but it must be received. Delight is given, but it must be received, or you might say taken. And it's one of those things that sometimes we have to opt into receiving what God has made for us freely. He says, take delight in the Lord. In order for you to delight in God, you have to delight in God. Like in order for me to delight in God, I actually have to, like my three-year-old daughter, like she hasn't learned yet that it would be appropriate to say, do you wanna set your coffee down before I jump on you and make you spill it on yourself? God bless her for it, right? You know what some of us do? We, we circle around it. Oh, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I need to get this in order first. I need to figure this out first. I remember running into someone uh, a few months ago. They said, yeah, I think I'm gonna start coming back to church in the fall. Just got a few more things to, to work out and then I, I think I'm gonna come back in the fall. What are they doing? They're, they're just, I don't know. If the, if the context was right, then, then I would. If, if the situation is fixed over here, then I feel like I can kind of read. No, 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 no. God's invitation to you every season is that in triumph, and in trial that you choose to opt in in those moments. You have to opt in. Take delight in the Lord. Remember uh, years ago, I'll invite the band to come forward as we get ready to close, but years ago, Noah, uh, my dad and I, um, we got invited to, to, to uh, this kind of pastor's retreat thing. And it was a, a company that was hosting it and the leader of the company wanted to take some pastors out. So there was probably 15 or 20 of us, a small group, and they put us up in a hotel and basically just spoil us for a couple of days. And the first night, we, uh, we go to, uh, not Ruth's Chris, we went to El Gaucho. Any El Gaucho people? Any El Gaucho people? Okay, look around whoever's hands were up. That's who you need to hang out with. Um, and, uh, but they take us to El Gaucho and we're in the private room. I mean, we're not in the common area, we're in the private space with our own personal wait staff. And we're there and the host of the event comes in, he's like, hey guys, I just wanted to bring you here. I have nothing I want from you. I don't, wanna, I don't want any money. I have nothing to sell you. I just wanted to bring you here and treat you, spoil you a little bit and just say thank you for what you do. And that's it. So he's like, order what you want. Don't hold back, just order what you want. I want you to have a good time. And so we're there and we're just kind of hanging out. And then he, I remember he reminded us a little bit later before we ordered. He's like, I want to remember, want everyone to remember, 
I don't want you to order the cheap thing because you think it's too much. I want you to order whatever you want. And it was almost as if we had to discipline ourselves to receive. And it's funny because the paradox of it is we did nothing. The one thing we did do was choose to opt in. And if you're like me, you have a hard time sometimes opting in to receiving from God what you could not earn yourself. I didn't pay for it. I spent not one dime on that dinner. Someone else did. And it's funny because in our own humanity, we try and think, okay, well, what can I do to make up for it? Nothing. You can't. The best thing that you can do to respond is receive. Friends, to delight in God, you have to choose to opt in. And in the smallest moments in the morning with your three-year-old daughter, or when you get news that devastates your family and you don't know how to recoup from it. In those moments, you choose to opt in and delight in God. Delight yourself in the Lord. A third and final point is delight is both the invitation, the journey and the destination. Notice it's delight, not desire. Raise your hand if you got something you want in the season coming up. Okay, like a third of us. The rest of you are all passive. You've got nothing that you do. Raise your hand, you got something that you're hoping, you're praying, you're believing God for. You got miracles you wanna see. You got people you wanna see meet the Lord. You wanna make more money. You wanna be generous. How many of you wanna see some good things flow through your hands? How many of you wanna see God bless you in the future? How many of you want God's favor? Come on. Now, here's the deal it is actually a good thing that you desire that and you need to acknowledge it. You can't pretend it away. Ask God for more than you could ever think or imagine. Ask him for it. But his invitation to you is not simply to have that, but to instead delight in him. Acknowledge the desire, but you know what the destination is? Delight. Because I might be asking for something that is not for this season. And he's saying, okay, Noted, no delight in me. Every time we go to, we'll go to Red Robin. Noah took the kids to Red Robin recently. And um, I was gonna make a comment about Red Robin, but I'm gonna save it for later. But I want the late 90s, mid 90s Red Robin back. I'm just saying that, but we're at Red Robin. And I used to work at Red Robin and I know that every time we as servers had to make that ice cream. We're like throwing all of our resentment for how this is not the job that we wanted into that ice cream that they're not paying for. So we're not getting a tip off of it. And we know that they're gonna take one bite and it's gonna melt and it's gonna get all over the table and we're gonna have to wipe it up. And I remember we, we had the kids, it was for, I think it was for Jude's birthday. We're at Red Robin and we're gonna we're gonna take them to Red Robin and then we were gonna take them to Froyo afterwards. 
Froyo, that's next level because you get to put the Reese's in there. You get the healthy, which is like the blueberries and the strawberries, but then you also put the Reese's and the Oreos and the sprinkles and all of the cookie dough and all of the things. And the, you've got about three bites worth of Froyo and you've got about 50 bites worth of candy and it's just overload and it's amazing. And that's what I do. I'm 38 years old and I still do that. Can't decide, I'm just gonna load this thing up. And no shame if that's what you do, I'm with you. But I remember we, we as parents were ready to bless our kids after Red Robin with a better option. But my kids get it locked into their mind. We want ice cream. They don't know that we've got the real stuff coming. But they think that what they need is the, the cheap free Sunday where they sing happy, happy birthday without any passion, without any conviction. Happy, happy birthday. Whenever I'm at Red Robin, any, any of our, our youth people, we're standing with happy, happy birthday on this your special day. It is a special day. You do deserve that free ice cream sundae. They don't think you do, but I do, and I'm happy for you. Happy seventh birthday, kid. And it's funny though, because my kids thought that what they needed was a Sunday and we're like, we got something way better, but you've gotta be content finishing this. And instead of whining that you can't have ice cream, stay present here, assuming that mom and dad have your best at heart. Here's what you have to do about God. Acknowledge your desire, but set it aside and don't trade your desire for delight because delight is in God's presence. Desire is an external thing that God wants to meet in his own way according to his riches and glory. But the primary invitation, the destination, the goal of this life, friends, is that you would exist in communion with God, in God's presence, that whether you are in triumph or in trial, whether you have lack or you have a lot or you have little, whether you're sick or whether you're well, whether you have everybody in your life or you can't see anything, is to simply say, God, you gave me my breath, I'm gonna delight in you. God, I love you. I'm thankful. I'm still alive. God, you called me. I've got community. I'm here. God, I'm gonna delight in you. And if you give me the blessing, if you open the door for the business, if you pour out this thing, if they are healed, then God, to you be the glory. But if none of that happens, I'm gonna delight in you, knowing that you work all things together for the good of those who are called according to your purpose. It is for your riches and your glory. So God, whether I win or lose, I've got you and I win. And that's God's invitation. It's not to desire, it's to delight. And when you delight, he knows the desires of your heart way better than you do and is ready to pour out every richness and every blessing and every favor. And friends, don't be afraid to ask God. Just don't get the, the thing that you want from God. Don't let that replace God himself. So desire, ask God for favor. Ask God to pour out blessing. It doesn't matter what you see out there. We're kingdom people. I believe that God wants to richly bless you more than you could ask, think, or imagine. But his blessing for you is nothing in comparison to the blessing of him with you. In spite of what you see out there, he is with you. He dwells in you. He loves you. He's present with you. And that is all that you need. And so friends, May we respond to the invitation to delight in God.
What's my job? Well, let's read it one more time. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. And you know what he will do in response? He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. What's my job? What's my job? Take delight. What's my job? Follow him. What's my job? Trust God when I don't see. What's my job? Lean into him. Stay the course. Stay faithful. Keep following him. Crave his presence. And what's his job that he's faithful to do? He says, I will give you. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be your righteous reward. And the world will know that I am God. Friend, delight in me. Friends, let's delight in God. All we need is his presence. We've got all that we need. He died for us. He rose again. He dwells in us and he sustains.